Amos chapter 8, verse 11 through 13. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but the hearing of the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. And they shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord. But shall not find it in that day, the fair virgins and strong young men shall faint from thirst. In that day. There's coming a day, there'll be a famine of the word of God. Is there the possibility that you might be in that day? Is there the possibility that the church could be in a day like that? Is there the possibility, possibly even a greater possibility, that those outside of the doors that see no interest of coming to church, do not read their Bible, do not pray, do not, do not worship God, do not know God, are living in a famine? I honestly believe, yes. I honestly believe that. I believe it's important for you and I to tend to the conditions of our own life, to tend to uh, what's going on and what we're responsible for. I hope, I hope that you could literally say, if you and I are to have a conversation or somebody else with you, that you could say, I read the word of God daily. I hope that you would say, I hear, not just have heard, but I hear the voice of God. I'm not here to say to you or to go down the great debate, does God speak every day? Is God always talking? I believe there's different facets and ways that God administers. There's only one way to heaven. There's only one door to the God. But I'm here to say that the Holy Spirit can lead you. He can guide you. He can prompt you. He can convict you. You can hear preaching. You can hear uh, prophecies. You can hear the voice of God for yourself. There's many ways. In various forms comes the word of God. But I just hope that you're having that. If you're not... There's a very good possibility that what I'm describing today is the day you're living in. If we're going to say that these days are those days, meaning the days of the scriptures and the days of the Bible and the days of the prophets and the days of the apostles, if we're saying that these days are those days, it's fulfillment of those prophecies, those teachings that we're going to experience today like they experienced it then, we've got to take the whole counsel of the Word of God. There's possibility that the day has come in somebody's life that you're in a famine, that you're in a dry season, you're in a drought of the Spirit and the Word of God. I want to address that this morning for your well-being, for your welfare, uh, because that is not a good place to be if the Word of God says, repetitively, it literally says, the man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth from the mouth of God. Is there even the possibility that his word is proceeding, but you're just not hearing? That the one sitting next to you hears him, but you do not. I don't know about you. Gretchen was delightfully kind and pleasant to me this morning. She went in and made me a couple of pieces of toast. I was just kind of low on my energy, and I, I needed some protein in there, and she put peanut butter on there, but we haven't been home for a while. It wasn't her. Had nothing to do with her, so get off me, ladies. But that bread wasn't fresh, but I still ate it. Maybe you're getting from somebody else, but it's not fresh. 
We have a God who will give you your daily bread. So if he says, I'll give you your daily bread, that means that there is something, whether it be from the word, whether it be from him, there's some way that he can nourish you and get you what you need. But man, listen to me, shall not live. You may think you're living, but if you're not hearing God, who knows who you're living for, who knows what you're living for, who knows if you're really living. You might be a dead man walking, but the reality is you must have the word of God in your life. You must have a daily benefit of the bread of heaven that comes in your life to nourish you. You must be eating not just bread alone, but the Word of God. Famine is a dangerous place. Famine has some results, has some effects such as hunger, starvation, and scarcity. If people are not worshiping in the Spirit and in truth, they are living in hunger that will result in starvation and an evident mark of scarcity. I looked at a few of those words. If you know anything about me, I I like to look at words or words like to look at me and they speak to me a little bit differently the way they're spelled. And I look at the word hunger and I see the word hung. Friends, you're hanging yourself if you're not reading and eating the word of God. You're doing nothing but strapping something around you and choking yourself out. Do not choke yourself in the word of God. Do not choke yourself in the spirit of God. You come into a church like this and everybody is worshiping, you ought to try a dance right where you're at. You ought to try a lift right where you are because I'm here to tell you, if you're not, you're doing nothing but playing hangman. You're doing nothing but just suffocating yourself and allowing the spirit of Leviathan to lie to you and to take away your priesthood and to cause you to not see nor to know what God is revealing in this day and in this hour. Without revelation, without a prophetic revelation, you're perishing. Not just them, and if you're perishing, somebody else is perishing. He wants to put the Word of God in you. He wants to put the Spirit of God in you so you can put the Word of God and the Spirit of God in somebody else. And if you ain't got it, they ain't got it. If you're not getting it, somebody else ain't getting it. I'm here to tell you, if you're not getting it, mama and daddy, your children aren't getting what they need. They are malnourished, malnourished in the things of the kingdom and the Spirit of God. Scarcity, break it apart, scar, city. And that just gripped me. And I thought, my God, we, 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 we sing about it, and I think we try to do as much as we can, but we're going to do more. Thank God we're out in a tent meeting. But I can't look at what we did. i got to look at what we need to do. Are we going to stand in the streets of this city and declare the name of Jesus? You see, if our city were to have a famine in the natural, it would scar the city. Matter of fact, we had a, we had a, a scar on this city called the Scottsboro Boys. There was a famine of love. There's a famine of understanding. There was a famine of truth. The Spirit of God did not have the counsel in the midst of that. It was a community wrestling and fighting, and it scarred us, and it marked us for history. If we were to lose our crops, it would scar some people's bank accounts. If we were to lose our fuel supply, it would scar some people's ability of what they could do in that season that would no longer be able to get them to the next season of their life, maybe even to Friday. If we had a financial downfall in this community, a famine of provision, it would scar our city. Matter of fact, I know a lot of families in our community A lot of families in our community who have a direct connection to uh, Indiana. 
specifically Gary, Indiana, and that area, that industry up there. Because when Scottsboro went through a very difficult time and the employment dropped, people moved and had to leave their families and had to leave their town and their city and they had to go to another city. And now they're going back and forth. They're not sure if they're southern or northern. But it'll scar a family when there's a famine. What about a spiritual famine? We need to prioritize our spiritual life is more real and more important than our natural life. You would do anything you could to stop a famine in the natural. Will you do whatever it takes to prevent a famine in the spiritual? What can cause a famine is a good question to ask. Contributing factors to a famine are simply lack of water. Lack of water. What type of water? Groundwater and, and heaven water, if you would. The clouds. If we didn't get a rain for a year, we'd be in a bad situation. But if we didn't get a rain for a month or two, we still have what is called a, a groundwater, which is something stored up in the ground between the sediments and the cracks, fed by the precipitation, confirmed uh, below and above rain, blessing in open heaven is what rain represents. In other words, if it were to rain today and it might cancel out your party or what you're wanting to do, you need to realize you're going to drink it one day. You might eat it one day. I don't think we should curse rain. I don't think that we should bad talk rain. I don't think we should get mad when rain comes because rain is doing something that we may not see right now, but we're going to partake in later. It can also be known the underground water wells and springs and infiltration galleries. What we need to look into today is the wells of revival. Wells of revival. You see, a rain comes, but when the fruit comes, the rain is in the past. We need open heavens. We need to be a church that doesn't just worship for our own personal life, doesn't just worship uh, for our corporate life, but worships for our city. Because worship punches into the heavens and opens the heavens where that spiritual rain, the blessings of God, the favor of God can come down. We ought to start getting out and doing some in the community worship. Oh, I know we've done some, but we need to do more. We need to get back down and do some worship on the water, worship on the square. We need to start looking for open doors and say, well, when I get invited, no, 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 I just invited you. Hey, listen, I'm on the board of the hospital. So I invited you. I'm a board member. When you get to visit somebody again in the hospital, if you do get to visit somebody, sing, worship, create an atmosphere. It works. We need to get out and do some of the sons of thunder stuff and take worship and evangelism out into the streets and set an atmosphere to allow God to reign. You see, gravity pulls rain. And we need to get the gravity in the kingdom Praise brings his presence. How many of y'all would be able to say that when you're worshiping, you have a tendency to hear God? Right? Raise your hand. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. So we set an atmosphere of worship. We're going to hear from God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth 
of God. Past moves of God in former generations. We need to learn to redig some wells of revival. I'm not going to have a whole lot of time to go into the revivals right now, but we start tomorrow night. A new Excel class. It's an elective class, so even if you graduated a year ago from Excel or you're in the middle of Excel right now, anybody can come to this class. Starts on Monday nights because you might want to redig the wells of revival in your own family. But we're going to start a class six weeks and teaching on redigging the wells. What does that mean? What does it look like? I'm going to set a little uh, a preface here for us, but if you're hungry to, to redig and to get the, the sources that God has already planted for you, the sources that God has already laid in, the undercourses of water that are traveling underneath that you have to go and drill and dig into to get a hold of that well that when there's not rain, you have something. You have something to pull from. You have something to dig into. A deep calls unto deep, and you pull it out, and you have a source. There's so much that water can do. There's so much that water can be in your life. Water can take care of sin. If you don't believe me, read the book of Genesis and the story about Noah. Water it was that took care of sin. Amen? The water baptism, you get baptized in. I know that a lot of churches do it a little bit different than we do. Some people might think it's not wise, but I said, hey, when they get back, when they get saved, let's get them baptized. Let's don't wait a month. Let's don't wait two months. The Bible says what hindered you from being baptized. I don't think I should be part of the hindrance of slowing somebody's process of salvation to sanctification to release into what God has for them. Water bill might go up a little bit, but that's okay. Because that water's doing something. It takes the old man off of you and allows you to come out a new man. Water can refresh you. Water can, uh, can save you. Water can, uh, can nurture you. There's so much that water can do. And we need that rain from heaven. Amen? We need those wells in our life. There's ways that we can dig for revivals and dig for wells. Prayer and intercession, worship, declaration, research. Study the old revivals. Repentance and returning to God. Hunger and thirst. There's so many not just previous accounts like the Welsh revival, the Brownsville revival, and, and, and the Red River revival. There's so many revivals in our, in our history. But we can also dig the wells that's in our scripture. Every time you open your Bible... You're open the possibility of uncovering a well, a wellspring of life, a wellspring of revival, a wellspring of a miracle, a wellspring of a healing, a wellspring of truth, whatever it may be. Every time you open up, you're removing that stone from the top of the well. Matter of fact, just a thought, and maybe you need a thought like this, leave your Bible open instead of closing it. Close the refrigerator, but leave the Bible open. Amen? You know, he told us, and I don't think that I've stayed on it long enough. Well, I know he told me, and he had me tell us, that Jesus was distressed. He was troubled in his soul. Hard and difficult times. And he said, what should I say? Father, save me from this hour. 
Jesus, hurry up and come back. Just take me out of here. It's a very selfish prayer. Very immature prayer. But he said this. He said, Father, glorify thy name. Father, glorify thy name. Father, do something that comes from heaven. Father, rain on me. Father, nourish me. Speak something to me. Make your voice. And you know what it said? It was like a thunder that came in. Thunder is a pretty good evident sign that rains somewhere. Somewhere in the area. And then he, vo- he spoke. He started to speak. The word of God is bread to our lives. He said, I already have. He said, and I'll do it again. So anything that's in this Bible, I hope we can lay hold of this, that he already has done, he can do again. Amen. He can do again. Uh, he can open up the wells of revival that are inside this scripture. Now, you don't need to go looking for something new. Start laying hold of some of this. Because he can renew it again and again. And again and again. I think one of our biggest problems in the church in the last 20, 20 years or so, 10 to 20 years, is that we started looking for new ways to do church. New ways to make the church look, to make the church feel, you know. Theme churches, just like they have theme restaurants. Friends, we were never meant to mimic or imitate the world, but we're meant to transition the world and meant to be a witness and a light to the world. Amen. So I'm here to tell you that if you need it, it's in here. You just got to find a way to dig it out. You just got to find a way to open it up. Amen? And I'm going to say it to you again. He can do it again. He said he'll do it again. What are other causes of famine? Well, one that I just described to you could actually even create a famine. Flooding. Flooding can bring about it. can too much can destroy everything around it. Too much just going to church. Too much just praying the same prayer. Too much just experiencing the glory of God. We want to be careful that our blessings don't overwhelm us and start to crush and start to uh, take the life out of what we're really here to do. Amen? And I think that's happened to the church also. I think some churches can lose their effectiveness by the effects they're experiencing. Just getting too big. Getting too big. I would encourage you to be careful of being overwhelmed with too much good. There's another thing that can, that can cause a, 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 a famine is unseasonable or unreasonable coldness. Unreasonable. And immediately I thought about the scripture... The love of many has grown cold. Cold. So I want to caution you and, 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 and make you aware that you, you can prevent. You can prevent. How can I prevent a flood? Dig a ditch. Drain it. Well, what do you mean? Okay. I received this incredible baptism of the Spirit of God. It's baptism of love. What if I just love myself and say, look at me. Look how anointed I am and get all the attention. What if I don't go share that to somebody? I build a drain. I build a fountain. I build, I build an aqua uh, 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 duct that gets the water out to somebody else. 
If God overwhelms us with financial blessings, which he can and which he does, we need to share that with other people. Amen? Oh, listen, I'm talking to you and me personally, and I'm talking to us corporately. We need to find and make a, an aqueduct that gets it to somewhere else. Amen? Have you ever, ever been at a family uh, party or picnic or something, and, and they're getting ready to play ball, and you just drank four glasses of water or something else? Right? You laugh. Then you get a cramp. Ruin the whole game because everybody's like, oh, Uncle Bob is just, you know, he's going to die right here. <laughs> get it out. What are some of the effects? I touched on some of this earlier. Uh, uh, malnutrition, starvation, disease, which results in a high death rate. Well, think about that spiritually. If we're not properly nourished, if we're not getting what we need and what we desire, we're going to look for something else to fill it. And, and if we aren't putting the right things in, it can breed disease inside of us. And then we could get to a place where there's death. Again, I remind you, we're here to plant a community in a community to help transform that community. You know, a pioneer, when they went out on their journey and they found somewhere to settle or somewhere to remain or the reason to stop and to build there, and that's where they thought that they would build their land, one of the first things that they would look for is what? A water source. A water source. Uh, you're going to have to have the water before you start building a house. Wouldn't that be terrible? You go there to build a house, you're like, oh, I'm just going to build my place and get comfortable, and then you come to find out you build it on top of the well. The best place to get the water. I mean, you can make mistakes. Priority one is a water source. We can't just rely upon the rain. Seasons come and seasons go. It might rain for a while and then not rain for a while. So you need a water source. Second thing they did is they built their house. They built their house. And, and the, the wise thing when they found the water source was to live as close to it as possible. As close to it as possible. Why home and land? You need somewhere to possess and you need a covering. You need a land you can call your own. I don't know what's going on in your neighborhood. If there's something bad going on in your neighborhood, you can stand on your land and say, I'm part right owner of this area right here, and I declare you can speak to those things. Something's on your land, drive it off. Then they started looking for education, a way to grow in knowledge. And back in those early days, predominantly, to the best of my knowledge, I was born on my mother's birthday right at the season of Thanksgiving. And I used to ask her when I was younger, I said, Mom, did you come over on the Mayflower? I just had all that stuff kind of mixed up together, you know. That's just because I was so thankful for her. Great mother. But the reality is, is that in the knowledge of what would be the third thing would be a place of knowledge of education, and it was usually bridled together, the church and the school were the same place. They would meet there on Sunday for their spiritual learning and experience, encourage them to tell them to go home and do some homework. If you do what we're doing in the church, it'll work at home. I'm encouraging you to take some homework home today. But they would also educate their children in that environment. So what do you do if you're possibly in a famine? What do you do if you're 
or when you are in a famine. Go with me to Genesis chapter 26. In Genesis chapter 26, we pick up a story in verse 1, and there was a famine in the land. And there was a famine in the land. So we see here, now we start to find out uh, that we have an, a, an environment, we have a setting, we have a scenario that tells us, hey, there's a famine. So now from here, we can find out what did they do in that famine? What can we expect in the famine? It says there was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. So what it's saying here is, is Isaac, the story's going to be about Isaac and his, uh, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, his dad had a famine in his days. His dad at a time, and I'm here to tell you, younger ones, whether you're 40 and below, whether you're 50 and below, wherever you are, there's somebody older than you that has probably been through something you're going through or have been through, and we need to call upon them. You need to build a relationship with somebody a little bit older than you, somebody who's around the corner from you, and draw from them because they have probably been where you're at right now. And they wonder, what do I do with all this wisdom? Let them become a cistern to you. Let them become a fountain to you. Let them become a well resource to you. There was a famine in the land besides the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines, and Gerar. We need to learn to learn from the past generations. Then the Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land which I shall tell you. When things dry up in your life, don't go back to Egypt. When the flow of the Spirit isn't happening in your life and you're not experiencing worship and you're not experiencing the blessings and the favor and things aren't being answered the way you want to answer, don't go back to Egypt. This is what God said, not what I'm saying. You say, what do you mean don't go back to Egypt? I've never been to Egypt. Egypt is, is, uh, is a, a, a type of our past life before we got saved. It's when we're in slavery. It's when we're in bondage. Don't go back to the things that put you in bondage. Listen to me. Drugs will not take care of your medical situation. I'm talking about the illegal drugs. I'm talking about the ones that make you become, you'll, you'll never get off this again. Don't go back to your bondage and what he delivered you from. Alcohol will dry you up quicker than the famine itself. It will dehydrate you. Your addiction to caffeine will dehydrate you. My point is don't let something else substitute from your past that God delivered you from that you had a dependency to to keep you from the water that you're not getting right now. He said, while you're dry, don't, don't go back to your place of bondage. Uh, verse 3 says, dwell in this land. This is going to get good. He said, dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. Well, oh, stop. You with me is a blessing. What more would I need? But I'm telling you what, having, a, having an aunt or an uncle, having a mother or father, having a friend is one thing, and you know they are that to you, but when you're with them, you, when you're at the ice cream shop with them, they're going to get you the ice cream too. Eating ice cream with them is one thing, but when grandma's there, she's going to buy it. Are you with me? I'm starting to tell my little uh, a two, three, four-month-old, whatever you want. Whenever you want, just come. And they smile. I'm, I'm, I'm reaching. I'm reaching to pull something out. Dwell in this land, and I will be with you and bless you. 
For you and your descendants, I give all these lands, and I'll perform oath which I swore to Abraham your father, and I will make your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven. I will give to your descendants all these lands, and in your seed and all the nations of the earth. You know, we ought to to perk up a little bit right now. You mean to tell me, preacher, what you're saying, that God will do for me, he'll do for my children, and my children, and my children, descendants. And he'll bless them. You mean to tell me that I can, I could reverse the curse? I could turn it around and make it a blessing? You mean to tell me if I'm making $40,000 a year that they might make 50 or 60? If I'm living like this, they might be living like that. That's what I'm trying to tell you. He said, I will stay faithful all the way down if you align with my faithfulness right now. Pretty good promise. He said, all he said, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Let me go back to the very first thing he said. Dwell in this land. You know, you or I could probably come up with five or six words that could be substituted in this, and we would we would see it the same way we're seeing it when it says the word dwell. But if you ever stop and go, why did he use the word dwell? Live in this land. Build a farm in this land. Buy a piece of property. I mean, there's just so many things we could say. Even abide. What does the word dwell mean? Reside, inhabit, abide. To abide means to wait, settle, sit back and lodge. Even if it's temporary quarters, stay here until that season's over. Stay put. You know, the dog that stays put doesn't get hit by the car. Don't feel so sorry for that dog. (laughs) Should have been better trained. Well, that really hit some people there. Watch this. Hebrew. I'm in the Hebrew right now. Dwell. Means attend a meeting. If you want to keep drinking from a water fountain, that's just fine with you. That's fine. But I've never had a water fountain fulfill my thirst. I can't sit from that little squirt coming off of that thing when you can get up in the house of God and you can get a glass, you can get a pitcher, you can get a water. Listen to me. Those one-minute Bible studies will not do it for the hot days you're getting ready to live in. It won't make it. A little sip will not do it. Are you with me? Attend a meeting. He that dwelleth in the secret place, he that dwelleth in the house of the Lord, shall live forever, shall flourish. Friends, God has a plan for his house. God knows the importance of being in his house to be able to receive the portion that you and I need in our life. He said, attend a meeting. He said, do not forsake it. If you're in a famine, you need to get where there's cisterns. You need to get where there's wells. You need to get where there's somebody drawing water, where there's buckets of his presence. You get to be where people are out, where they're under the spout, where the glory comes out, and it hits them, and it flushes over on you, and it splatters on you, and it washes you, and it hits you, and you start to feel it, and, and you start to just stick your tongue out to get a drop or two, whatever it takes. And once you get that thirst, when you get thirsty, you'll dig until you find it. If you're in a church and going to a church is not causing you to dig, 
that's not leading you to find, you better get up out of there or to ask the pastor if you could take his place. Because it's time to dig. It's time to go deeper. It's time to end the drought in your life and in the lives of others. He said to attend a meeting. In here also, I see in verse 3, believe his promises. He promised what he's going to do. What do you do when you're in a drought? You attend meetings. You believe promises. Hang out with those who call upon the Lord with a pure heart. And then he said, I will, I will perform an oath which I spoke to. I will make your descendants multiply. Descendants multiply. He will make something out of nothing. Verse 5. Because Abraham obeyed my voice, this is God speaking, because Abraham obeyed my voice, it must have meant something to God, and kept my charge and my commandments and my statutes and my laws. Because Abraham did it my way and not some other way. Because Abraham honored me and feared me. Because Abraham obeyed me all because of obedience. When you're in a famine, it's a better time to be obedient than you've ever been before. Because if you want blessings, you and I know that blessings are tied to obedience. What is a charge? It's an obligation, positivity, affirmation, and conviction. And he said, because he kept my charge, because he kept the obligation, he kept the positivity, he kept the affirmation, and he kept the conviction. He submitted and surrendered. He relied solely upon me. When you get in a famine, you need nothing but God. He said commandments are the mitzvah. We talked about that some months ago. It's that blessing. It's that release that you are now responsible for where you are. When you get in a famine, don't, don't be hoping somebody else is going to do it or blaming somebody else that they didn't do something or even future generations. You need to dig down deep where there's something already stored up and take responsibility for yourself. It is your responsibility to read the Word of God. You need to teach your children. It's their responsibility to seek God on their own. You need to realize that you need to take charge of the commandments that He's given you. Dad, it's your and I, my responsibility to lead our families spiritually. Laws, teachings, and direction for spiritual well-being. You need to understand, when he gives you a law, he gives you a structure, he gives you an order, he gives you that command, that's for your well-being. That is for your well-being. He's not being mean or hard on you. Listen to what it says in verse 6. So Isaac dwelt in Gerar. That's all he's asked to do, just dwell there. Everything else is by faith. That's all he could do, just do what you're told to do. He's put his feet down. He stayed there. He learned from the past. He learned from the former gen uh, uh, generation. Verse 7. And the men of that place asked about his wife. And he said, she is my sister, for he was afraid to say, she is my wife, because he thought, lest the man in the place. I don't have to go into that whole story. He was afraid. He was afraid. Let me tell you something about fear. Fear represents a lack of faith. A famine is a lack of. Fear represents a lack of faith and contamination of a spirit. God did not give you a spirit of fear. You got something up in there that's not from God that's contaminating the flow in your life. It's hindering it. It's disrupting the flow of God. You have got to get everything out of your life that produces fear. We must get free from fear. Listen, throughout the Bible, I didn't do the, the count number, but how many times did he say, do not fear, do not fear, 
do not fear. He didn't say, oh, come here, fear for a while. I'll get you out of that. No, he said. He said, do not fear. If God says do not, then by God, we're able to do not. He would not ask you to do something that he cannot do. But if you read a scripture, God didn't give me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Quit focusing on that thing called fear and get that power, love, and a sound mind and find out the Holy Ghost brings power. The Word of God will transform your mind. And you put your life into the principles of the power, love, and a sound mind. Start loving God and start loving people. Verse 8, now it came to pass. When he had been there a long time, that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked through the window and saw that he saw the issues that going on. Friends, listen to me. It will be found out if it's not worked out. No, you, you know, you need to understand me. This might be the holding point. I, I, I realize. Listen, we, we are not going to. We need to understand. If you're doing something and you don't think I see it. And you don't think they see it. You don't think anybody knows it, but you're doing it in darkness. He knows it. If the king Abimelech can see it, I got a funny feeling King Jesus can see it. I got a funny feeling he can pull the curtain and go, oh, you lied to me. Oh, you deceived me. You are causing my kingdom trouble. Friends, we're coming into a day, those who fear God and those who do not. Quickly, rapidly approaching that. Verse 12. Then Isaac sowed in that land. Pardon me? I thought there was a famine. Then Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. Oh, no, you, you got to read the scripture as it says it. There's a famine. By faith, he still sowed. He sowed where he lived. He sowed where he was at. He let go. He planted seed. He spoke into it. He allowed it, even though it looked dried around him. God had already told him, I can make something out of nothing. He's the God who created everything out of darkness, even light. He sows. When you're in famine, you need to sow. Man, I'm just not making what I need to make. I can't afford to tithe. You cannot afford not to tithe. I'm here to tell you, you don't need Dave Ramsey. All you need is a word of God. I thank God for him, but the reality is all you need is a word of God, and you start today doing it the way the word of God says it. I promise you he'll turn your finances around. I promise it's he'll, he'll take the devourer, and he'll destroy him and push him away from you. I'm telling you, he will cause you to be blessed. He sows. He didn't get a 30. He didn't get a 60. He got a hundredfold. Do you know why? Because he didn't sow 30. He didn't sow 60 and hold back 70 and hold back 40. He sowed it all. And when you are in a famine, it's time to give your all because all you have is death or life. That's all you've got. Oh, we're going somewhere. I'm not talking about in my sermon. I'm talking about as a church. We're going somewhere. I'm not going to sit here and be bound by the political bondage and be bound by the religiosity of this world. I'm going to step into the promises of God, into the plans of God, and we're going to live by the will of God and by the ways of God, and we're going to have the blessings of God. And if you don't want them, that's all up to you. But I'm telling you, we're going to be blessed. He will bless those. Listen to me. 
I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost is telling me right now that some of you are still fighting and resisting, saying, I can't do it. I don't think I should. I'll tell you one last time, one last time before something worse may happen in your life. That Bible talking about tithing is not an Old Testament scripture. It was an Old Testament prophet who was prophesying at the very end of the book into what was coming. You better line your life up with the will of God, the way of the commandments, the charges, the ordinance of God. If you don't, you won't be blessed. And listen, you're going to come be asking somebody else. God's already led them where to give. God already led them where to give. I'm speaking to your well-being. I'm speaking to your, your future. Listen, I'm not just speaking to you. I'm prophesying into the descendants of your being. He sowed in that land. He reaped in the same year. And the Lord blessed him. Well, is, is a hundredfold not a blessing? No, it's an act of obedience. It's a promise. It's the difference between a promise and a blessing. They both might have the same sense of manifestation in your life, but you can only get one one way and one the other way. Verse 14. And it says he, listen, he became, he, verse 13, I'm sorry. The man began to prosper. hundredfold is just the beginning. The man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became very prosperous. Continued. What was the key to his continuing to prosper? He stayed where he was told to stay. I sowed it. Nothing came up yesterday. I'll just, I'll go on somewhere else. Somebody else back and said, look what I found. Right? He sowed in a famine. He didn't wait for the blessing to rain. He didn't wait for the stars to line up. No, no, no. Listen to me. God's already got it lined up. And God already said, I'll make you descendants to multiply at the number of stars in the sky. Verse 14. For he had possessions of flocks, possessions of herds, and great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Now, I've told you what to do, but I'm going to tell you what's going to happen in a famine. For he had possession of flocks and possession of herds and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. Now the Philistines had stopped up all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham, his father, and they filled them with earth. Let me get to that. The devil, the religious, the political is going to do everything they can to shut you up, stop you up, and to fill you up, to keep you shut up. I don't have time today to get to the river. It's supposed to be inside of us. A fountain. Rivers of living water coming out of us. Your ultimate well is inside of you. We'll get there Wednesday night. Blessings bring envy. Just does. Always does. Always has. But it's interesting. Earth. It didn't say they filled them up with dirt. And say, filled them up with sand, quick creek, earth, earth. If God can make you out of earth, <laughs> he can make something out of your stopped up well. Think about that. 
You're serving a miraculous God. Don't get frustrated. Don't get angry. Don't get disappointed. Stay, dwell, continue, believe, sow, dig. He'll make something out of it. And Abimelech said, go away from us, for you're much mightier than us. So in the middle of the famine, you would consider something to shrivel up and shrink up. We're finding out it grew up. Could the famine be part of God's test to grow you up, to make you stronger and mightier, not lesser and weaker? It seems like whatever the enemy intends for evil, God will turn it for your good. Somebody ought to listen to me. So now he says, get away from us. Get out of here. You're mightier than us. Blessing, bounty, prospering will cause rejection. Rejection. Isaac departed, pitched his tent in Gerar, and dwelt there. He had to be driven out, moved out, but where he went, he dwelt. He started the process back over. I'm going to plant myself. Listen to me. You get planted in the house of God. Your life oppressive. You're going to run around looking for prophecy after prophecy after prophecy. You're going to walk out confused, misled, misunderstand, and disappointed. Because if you don't stay where the word came to you, you won't get the blessing where it comes from. You can't run around, friends. You got to get planted. You got to get. You cannot take a plant and keep moving it around to a different place in the yard. Eventually, it's going to get tired, wore out. It's going to get abused and wounded. It will not keep going. Bart pitched his tent in the valley. He dug again the wells of water. They dug in the days of Abraham's father for the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. And he called them by the names with his father called them. Do what you've been told to do and just keep doing it. Servants dug up the valley and found wells of running water there. The herdsmen came and they started to quarrel with them. So he's doing it, started quarreling. Uh, This is our water. I remember those early quarrels here. We moved into Scottsboro. We started planting the church. And then people saying, those are our people. But why didn't you fix your fence? Hey, listen, if the sheep show in another farmer's pasture or the cows, there must be a hole in the fence somewhere. This is our city. You're not part of us. Not until you live here this long, you know, all this kind of stuff. There's a quarreling. You're like, okay, well, I guess I won't knock on that door anymore. But we didn't quit knocking. Kept knocking on that door, knocking on heaven. Amen. So when you get into this, it's not always going to be perfect, not always just going to work out. I mean, the first year sometimes is that that year that just kind of wets your whistle. You know, and you have a hundredfold return. You get very prosperous. Things are going really well. Then all of a sudden, you're like, well, what's, what's going on here? I just got rejected. I just got denied. I just got pushed away. They're quarreling with me. They don't like me. They're talking behind our back or things are going on. Have you ever been in that situation? Keep doing what you're told to do. Verse 23. Then he went up to there from to Beersheba, and the Lord appeared to him. And the Lord appeared to him. The same night and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Do not fear, for I am with you. I will bless you, multiply you and your... What he's saying is, son, because you dug, 
He found the river of God. Uh, there were some wells there, but not like this well. And what I did before, I'll do it again. I'll do it again. I've had the honor, privilege, to be in some mighty moves of God. Extraordinary things. Powerful things. Matter of fact, somebody, uh, Gretchen and I was speaking at a conference this past week, and, and uh, we were in the, the pre-service conference meeting, and, and you, can, you can come up, Joel, if you would, please. And, and we're having this discussion. We're taking communion before the conference, and, and uh, this guy over in this corner, very jam-packed room, he, he waves, and, and I don't know the guy. I've never seen him before. I didn't recognize him. And, and the guy next to me, I saw him kind of do the, the, the wave back, and I thought, oh, they must know each other. I, I was getting ready to wave, thinking, well, maybe he knows me. You know, get wave back. And after all that, the guy came over and walked straight up to me. And Gretchen's to my right, flanked to my right, and he walks right to my face. He goes, you don't know me, do you? And I thought, well, I don't need to answer. You just told me I don't. <laughs> you know? I knew what he was saying. I said, I said I'm sorry. I, I don't. He said, 23 years ago, you are preaching revival at Faith Tabernacle in Florence, Alabama, 1998. I was there for nine weeks preaching in this thing. He said, you made a call for people to go into the ministry. He said, and, and I heard that call and I, and I second guessed it. I wonder because I was in a drug rehab program. Been there before. Amen. Thinking unworthy, outcast, black sheep, worthless one, the rejected one. Uh, why would God love me? How could God love me? And I'm the worst one in the family. All those feelings and thoughts. He said, you made that call again. I came up and said, I got baptized in the Holy Ghost. I've been in the ministry for 21 years. He did it then, he can do it again. I could tell you story after story after story of the power of God, the glory of God, the wonders of God, the miracles of God. A lady walking in the back room, she had just flown in from the Mayo Clinic. She heard there was a revival going on. She had just been diagnosed that she had terminal cancer, brain cancer in her brain. She only had six weeks to live. She stopped at the church in the middle of my preaching. Everything stopped, and I prophesied over her. She fell out like a dead woman. Head is all wrapped up from the, uh, the incisions they had to make to go in and to study her brain and see and close it back up because it said there's nothing. When the Mayo Clinic tells you there ain't nothing we can do for you, there's not much that can be done for you but Jesus, but God, but the Holy Ghost. She fell out like a dead woman, got up later and told the story. To my knowledge, she's still living this day. I don't know what's going to get you excited. Maybe you're tired. Maybe you need a water fountain right now. I don't know. But I'm here for the rain of God. I'm here for the well of God. 